0: Well, amen. I tell you, we could just about have a closing prayer and go home after that. I'm thankful for the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And isn't it marvelous and isn't it wonderful the kind of love that He has for us? It truly is amazing grace, isn't it? you have a copy of god's word today you'll find the scripture in the book of march chapter number two and while you're turning there i just want to say again i i appreciate the opportunity that brother kevin has given me to uh, preach here at charity baptist church and uh, i count it an honor and it's something i don't take lightly that a man of god would trust me enough to fill his pulpit in his absence and so i appreciate that we love brother kevin i know you do too and we're praying for him as he is in revival in North Carolina, I believe it is this week. Uh, so you pray for him, and uh, and I know you are. But we uh, we thank the Lord for him and his family. They they mean a lot to us. I, I believe every church I've been a part of, Brother Kevin has preached a revival meeting for us, and uh, more than once. And so um, we we thank the world of. of both he and Miss Amanda and their family, and we love them and appreciate them and thankful for this opportunity to be with you here once again. In Mark chapter number 2, we'll begin reading with verse number 1. If you'd like to stand, you can't. Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1, in God's Word it says this, "...and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house." And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, "'Son, thy sins be forgiven thee.' But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, "'Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only?' And immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, "'Why reason ye these things in your hearts?' Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins? He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, And went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. And glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for another opportunity to read and share a portion of it here today. I pray you help to find logic in our hearts. Lord, help us to be sensitive and obedient to your leadership. And I ask for clarity of thought and speech as I try to communicate clearly what you've laid upon my heart this day. Well, we just thank you and praise you for all that you're going to accomplish. Bring honor and glory to yourself today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. In these verses of Scripture, Mark wrote about the healing of this man with palsy. And, and we've heard this story many times. Many have messages have been preached about this. And I've heard a lot of messages about the four that bore the man and about their teamwork and their working together and all of these things. And it all fits. But God has put something a little different on my heart to share with you today. I want to look at three things found here. We're going to break those down just a little bit. But there's three things that I see in this story concerning the, the, the events surrounding it, if you will, of this man getting healed. The first thing that I noticed when I read this text is that there were some obstacles that hindered this man from initially getting to Jesus. The man with palsy, there were some obstacles that kept him from getting to the presence of Jesus. So you say, well, what was those obstacles? I'm glad you asked. Verse number three talks about the first one. It says, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. What that tells us is that he had to be carried, and so this man, because of his condition, he could not walk, he could not physically get to where Jesus was, and so he had to be carried into his presence. Now, why is that significant to us today? The reason that is is because we, in our sin-sick condition, could not get to God on our own. and We had to have somebody that could get us to the presence of God and that somebody is Jesus Christ. He came to this earth to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to become the sacrificial lamb, to take our sins upon Himself there at the cross of Calvary. And He did all of that so that we would have a way to get to the Father. That's why He came. That's why He did what He did for us. The Holy Spirit of God is one who draws us, but God's Word tells us that no man can come unto the Father but by me. That's Jesus. That's Jesus speaking when He said, No man can come to the Father but by me. We cannot get to Him on our own. But I am thankful that we have one that carries us to his presence. That one named Jesus. And you see, that is the case with us today. We needed someone that can take us. But now that we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, God's word says we can come boldly to the throne room of grace. We can find help in the time of need. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad that we can come boldly to His presence now? That we have access to Him directly through Jesus Christ. We can come boldly into His presence. We don't have to hide and go to someone else and have them go on our behalf. Now, I'm always thankful for folks praying for me, but I can go directly to Him myself. Or now that's a blessing. To know that you're getting to talk to the one who is all-powerful, who made heaven and earth, who created everything that there is, and you can go to him yourself because of Jesus Christ. He carried you to his presence. You see, this man had to be carried because he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. But then I notice that even once they got him there, Verse 2 says this, and straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Verse 4 says, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. You know what that tells us? There was a large crowd there that was hindering them from getting him to Jesus. Now, it says that there was a a crowd gathered so much that they couldn't even get through the door to get him to Jesus. You know, I've heard these four men, before I get into that thought, these four men or four people that carried this pause, this man with palsy. You know, they, they got there. First of all, I don't know how far they had to carry the guy, right? It doesn't tell us how far that he had to be carried, but it does say that they bore him, they carried him. Most likely he was laying on some type of bed, and they had each one got aside, and, and they was taking him, and they carried him. Now, I don't know how far they had to carry him. But once they got there, there was such a crowd gathered that they couldn't get him to Jesus. Now, they had faith. We'll talk about that in just a minute. They had faith that if they could just get him in the presence of Jesus, he could be healed. They had faith. But they had carried this man, and they got there, and there was such a crowd gathered that they could have said, man, we tried. We tried. We, we came, and we got you this far. But the crowd, they're just, we just can't do it. The crowd is... Is hindering us from getting you to His presence. But you see, they didn't stop there. How many times have you heard people give their testimony, and they said, "I didn't get saved that day because there was such a crowd, and I and I didn't want to go up because I was afraid what somebody might say, or what somebody might think about me." Maybe you've said in a church service and. The Holy Spirit of God got a hold of your heart, and you didn't go up because of the crowd. Let me assure you of something today. I don't know every one of these folks personally, but I've come to know some of them over the past few weeks, and I can assure you of this one thing. If you come forward, all they're going to do is praise God. Not going to be any bad-mouthing you or talking about you or saying what all you've done. They're going to be praising God because you came forward. There's going to be rejoicing in the presence of heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. And so don't worry about the crowd today. There's folks that won't do what God wants them to do because they're afraid of the crowd that's around them. Don't let the crowd hinder you from getting where Jesus wants you to be today. But I've heard stories. I've heard testimony. And I can assure you of another thing. We can have... Confidence that if we can just lead the lost to Jesus, he can make them whole. We can have confidence in him. You see, they knew, they had faith, they had trust that if they could just get him to Jesus. And so there was the fact that he was crippled, he could not get to Jesus on his own And then it was that when they finally got him there, the crowd was so large and the crowd was in the way and the crowd hindered them from getting him to Jesus. But they didn't stop there. Notice what it says. It said, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. The third obstacle we see is there was a roof in the way there was a roof in the way now they had already carried him ever how far they had carried him they got there and the crowd was there and they said we're not going to give up just yet they raised him above the crowd folks i want to tell you jesus didn't let the crowd hinder him from finishing his mission on the day he went to calvary for us he went through the crowd carrying his cross And then He was lifted above the crowd that day because He had to be lifted above the crowd. He had to be on the cross to pay my sin debt and to pay yours. He was suspended there between heaven and earth that day. He had to be lifted above the crowd. But whenever they got him above the crowd, they were still the obstacle of the roof that was in the way. Can I tell you that Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 tells us this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. There is a big difference in can't do something and won't do something. didn't say that he can't hear us. said he won't. When we have sin in our heart that we've not confessed, that we've not got right. There's that wall of sin that separates us from God, but he can tear that down. Jesus can tear down that wall of separation, just like these men broke up that roof. He can break the chains of sin in our life. When we confess our sin, He came to set us free. He said, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jesus can do that. The roof had to be broken. We must repent of our sins so that he can break down that wall of separation between us and God so that he may hear our prayer. They were the obstacles that hindered this man from initially getting to Jesus. But then we notice the power of Jesus displayed. Notice what he says in verse 5 and and then verse 10 and 11. He said, When Jesus saw their faith, now, I want to talk about that in just a second. When Jesus saw their faith, what he's talking about is those four that bore this man because they didn't let the obstacles keep them from getting him to Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something today. I want the kind of people praying for me like these four men or four people right here. You know why? They didn't give up. They didn't quit. They kept on, they kept on till they got him to the presence of Jesus. They didn't give up. They didn't stop. They said, this man can't get there, we're going to carry him. They carried him, they got there, they said, the crowd's in the way, we're not going to stop. They lifted him above the crowd. They got him up there, the roof was in the way, they said, we're just going to have to break it. And they began to break up that roof and they said, we're getting this man to Jesus. That's the kind of prayer warriors I want praying for me. We're going to get Brother Don in the presence of Jesus. And that's the kind of person you need to be for those around you as well. Because he said, when Jesus saw their faith. Now, I'm not saying the man sick with the palsy didn't have faith, but I'm saying Jesus recognized their faith. Because they didn't give up, they didn't quit, they didn't stop. A lot of times we'll pray for somebody and we'll. We'll try to do a little something. We'll say, well, we tried. You know, we did the best we could. Those, those could have, four could have done that. They could have said, we've already carried you this far, but I'm sorry, this crowd is just too much. They could have said, well, we, we tried to get him up above the crowd, but this roof... I mean, we hate to tear this thing up. We hate to cause a ruckus. We hate to disturb the folks underneath by tearing up this roof. We, we, we really don't want to mess up things, so, so we're just not going to do anything else. They could have said, well, maybe we can just wait outside, and, and if by chance Jesus comes out this way through the door, then maybe he can see him. And They didn't give up. They said, we're going to get this man in the presence of Jesus Christ they kept going till they got him there. You see, that's the kind of people, that's the recognition that was given to them by Jesus himself. He said, when he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What that tells us is Jesus has the power to forgive sins. In verse 10, he said this, But that you may know, that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus has the power to forgive sin. You see, He can cleanse you from all of your sins today. There's people that have said, Well, preacher, you just don't know what all I've done. Can I just tell you, it really don't matter. It really don't matter because we have a Savior that can forgive All sin. See, it doesn't matter what your long list of past is. When we give it to Jesus, it's wiped clean. You get a clean slate. And you see, He has the power to forgive sins, and He shows us that power. But not only that, He has the power to know our thoughts. Look at verse 6, when He made that statement in verse 5, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse 6 says, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Now, they weren't saying anything out loud. They were reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? They were sitting there thinking, Who does this guy think he is? (laughs) Who does this guy think he is who's speaking blasphemies? He can't forgive sins, only God can. They were reasoning these things in their minds, and their hearts. Now, they had not yet said a word according to what it says right here. They were reasoning in their hearts. Verse 8 says, And immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? You see, He perceived. He knew. God knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. He knows why we do what we do. He knows that, and let me just say this. God's Word tells us that when we pray, we're to pray in faith believing. And so if we go to God and we've already got a doubt in our mind, then we're really wasting our time praying, aren't we? Because He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows if we're sincere in what we're praying. And He knows if we trust Him or not. And so when we pray, we're to pray believing, and we're to not have a doubt in our mind that the Lord... Now, there's a lot of people that believe God can do it, but they just wonder, will He do it for me? I think that's the problem a lot of times. Oh, I don't doubt that God can do it. He's all-powerful. He can do anything He wants to, but I just don't know if He'll do it for me. Let me tell you something. If He'll go to the cross and die for you, Don't you think He'll give you the things you need? Don't you think He'll give you those desires of your heart? Don't you think that He already knows? You see, God already knows the things we've done, the things we've thought, the things we've said, the attitudes we've had. God already knows. So why not just go ahead and confess it? Go ahead and tell Him. Go ahead and give that clear channel because He already knows our thoughts. God's Word says... In Romans eight twenty six and 27, says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, I was going through a time at one time where I just had this heavy burden, and I really didn't even know what. The burden was. I know that sounds really odd, but that, that's, I'm just speaking truth to you today. I was under a burden, man. I, I just felt like something needed to be done, some, and I couldn't figure out what it was, and I was asking God for help. I began to call some of my preacher friends, and I began to talk to them about it. I said, man, I'm just under this burden. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to figure it out. And then I was going to revivals and stuff. And I was going to camp meetings. I was doing all these things, and I was talking to these preachers and Man, one day I just was sitting in a service and I just became overwhelmed. And I went up to the altar and I began to pray and just weep and cry out to God. I said, Lord, I don't even know what this is that's burdening me, but I'm giving this burden to you. Lord, you can either reveal to me what it is you want me to do, Lord, or you can take this burden or whatever you want to do with it, but God, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. Because, you see, I, I wanted... To do whatever it was that God was wanting me to do. But I couldn't figure it out on my own. But aren't you glad that sometimes you don't even know what to pray for. But he can make intercession for you on your behalf. I didn't even know what I was praying for. But he did. He knew all about it. Sometimes we may not know all the little details of God's plan. But I don't have to know the details of the plan because I trust the planner. I don't know what his plan is for us but I can assure you this he's got one we're just going to keep following him and trusting him until we get there wherever that is. But he tells us here that he knows our thoughts he knows our heart and so we see that Jesus not only has the power to forgive sins and He has the power to know our thoughts, but God's Word tells us He also has the power to heal. Because verse 11, He said, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. He has the power to heal. He said unto that man with the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed. Think about it. This man couldn't get to Jesus, Right? He couldn't walk there himself, but now Jesus is telling him to rise, take up his bed, and go. What if that man began to make excuses? But Jesus, I couldn't even get here without these four carrying me. And now you're telling me that I've got to try to get up? That's not what he did. Notice what it says in the very next verse, in verse 12. It says, and immediately... He arose. Immediately, he arose. When Jesus told him, the great physician had spoken. The great physician had spoken and told him, Arise, you've been healed. Take up your bed and go to the house. And immediately, he arose. He got up. Boy, I tell you, we should be a witness for the Lord and what he's done for us. We should be willing to tell others about him. As many of the ones that he healed in their day, they began to tell the story of what Jesus did for them. He should be real in our life enough that people can see him all over us. I heard a story one time of this little girl that she was talking to her mama. She was puzzled about something the preacher preached. And she began to ask questions. She said, I just really didn't understand something. Dave said, the preacher said that God is bigger than we are. And she said, "That's right, hon. Said God is bigger than we are. Said He's He's up in the heavens. He's, but said, but wait a minute. He, he also said that He is in us. Said yes. Said you know when we get saved. Said God's in us. Said well, if God is bigger than we are, and He is inside of us, would He not show through? He's supposed to. He's supposed to." If we've been saved by God's grace, He's supposed to show through our lives. And you see, when we think about what He's done for us, we ought to arise and go and tell. Boy, I tell you, God has done some miraculous things in our lives. He has done some wonderful things, and He's blessed us immensely. And so that brings me to the next thing that I see in verse number 12 we see the glorifying of god taking place because of the events of this man being healed verse 12 says and immediately he arose took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified god saying we never saw it on this fashion you know there's something i've been praying for quite some time i've when I was going through the Bible Institute there, we studied, we took a whole semester and we studied about revivals. And we studied, we talked about the Welch Revival, we talked about the Great Awakening, we've talked about a lot of revivals. We talked about, we had, they had preachers come in talk about weeks of revival that happened in their church. And, and man, it was inspiring, it was encouraging to hear all these things about revival. I've seen revival take place in the hearts of people. I've seen revival take place and just sweep through a church. I've seen it. But when I've been praying lately, I hadn't been praying, Lord, do it again. I've been praying, Lord, do something that can only be explained, that you did it. I love gospel music. I love singing. My my family grew up. my, My mother and her brothers, my granddaddy, the Messer family went around singing for years. Love it. Love the masters. Love that kind of music. Boy, I tell you, it just stirs my heart. But I don't want it to be explained because the singers did such a good job. I love good preaching. I'm not claiming to be one of them. But I love to hear good preaching. And I I tell you, I don't want it to be explained that the preacher did an amazing job and revival broke out. I don't want it to be explained by any other thing than God showed up and revival took place and God did it. And I want to be able to say, I've never seen it on this fashion. <laughs> I've never seen it like this before. Oh, I've been in some services like that. I've been in some services where the preacher would get up and say, I'm sorry, y'all, they don't have this in the rule book. I don't know exactly how to handle this because i never seen it like this before. That's been my prayer lately. Lord, let us see something we've never seen on this fashion before. You see, they they were glorifying God because there's something miraculous took place in their midst. Something happened that they had never seen before. (laughs) That ought to be our heart's desires for the Lord to do something. When God begins to do a work inwardly, it's going to show up outwardly. We should praise Him for His marvelous grace, His love, and His mercy. And it should rekindle the fire that was started in us the day we accepted Jesus as our Savior. That's what revival is. Revival is when it rekindles that fire that was placed in us when we got saved by God's grace. My wife gave me a book years ago when I surrendered to preach called The Pilgrim's Progress. And I read through a good bit of it, but I never did finish it. And then, then they came out with the movie version, and we ended up watching it, and and uh, but I, I remember this one saying. I may mess it up because I'm going by memory, and my memory ain't the best. But but I, I remember this one part in that book where the character Christian was brought to this room with a big fireplace. If you've ever read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about there. But he was standing there in front of this fireplace, and there was a fire going, and and there was this person that he saw there, and they were pouring something on the fire, and keeping it blazed and keeping it going. But then when he walked around to the back side of the fireplace, there was another person there, and they were taking buckets of water, and they were trying to put out the fire. The narrator began to explain to the character Christian that you see that fire. The old devil is out there. He's trying to throw water on that fire. He's trying to put the fire out. But the Holy Spirit of God is steadily pouring oil gas to that fire keep it going you know what really blessed my heart about that what happens when you pour water on a grease fire oil fire spreads it don't it see what the old devil's trying to do when he's trying to put out our fire what he don't realize is if we'll just stay faithful to God and, and let the Holy Spirit lead us that fire will spread That fire that God put in us, it'll spread to others, and and they'll get a hold of it. and, And the next thing you know, it's become a revival sweeping through our land. When I pray, I ask God to start a revival in me that'll impact those around me, that'll impact our county, that'll impact our state, that'll impact our nation, that ultimately impacts the world. And He can do it. There's people that believe that God can't send revival in our day. I beg to differ. Because we serve an all-powerful God. I don't believe there's anything He can't do. There's only one thing God's Word says He cannot do. He says He cannot lie. He cannot lie. You know why? Because He is truth. He is truth. And so when we think about what God's Word is teaching us here, you say, What are you getting to with all of this? Well, let me just shorten it up before you summarize it for you like this. These obstacles that kept this man from getting to Jesus initially, we face some of the same obstacles in our lives. Because sometimes we let things get into our lives that, so to speak, cripples us in our walk. And sometimes it is that we need brothers and sisters to come alongside us and help us get back on track. God's Word says, Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Oftentimes we want to kick people while they're down, but that's not what God's Word says we're supposed to do. We need help to get back where we're supposed to be. And so... We get people alongside us that help us get back to where we need to be in the presence of Him. We have those obstacles. Sometimes we get crippled. Sometimes we let the crowd hinder us. You know, I don't worry so much about the crowd around me when I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord. We were at the Celebration Village yesterday and we sat down at a table with a total stranger and... We asked the gentleman sitting there, said, is it okay if we sit with you here? He said, sure. So we sat down there, and we all had our food, and I said, so we're going to say the blessing before we eat. I didn't know this fellow, didn't know if he'd take offense to it, and I said, I didn't really care at that point. I did what I do every time. I, we sat down, we, we asked the blessing upon the food before we ate. The man didn't say a word about it. But I did notice about the time we all bowed our heads, he did too. But sometimes we'll let the crowd around us keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Don't let the crowd hinder you today. If God has spoken to your heart, don't let the crowd hinder you. And then sometimes it is that not only do we see the, the crowd, but sometimes we have that Sin in our life that needs to be confessed. That wall needs to be broken down. We need to get to where God wants us to be. Because we can be assured of one thing. Jesus has the power. All power, he said, is given to me in heaven and in earth. He's all powerful. And so he can forgive our sins. He already knows your thoughts. And he has the ability to give you healing today. In a way you've never experienced before. And when he does. Then we need to be glorifying God. In the work that he does. Jesus suffered death. He was lowered down in a borrowed tomb. For three days. And he arose triumphantly. Over death, hell and the grave. To provide the way for us to be saved. So I ask you today. What kind of obstacles are hindering you. From getting to where Jesus wants you to be. What sins might be separating you from God today? Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let go of whatever it is that's keeping you from getting to him. He has the power. You can trust him fully with every part of your life. I've given you today what God has put on my heart. If the Lord has touched your heart, do you be obedient to him? If not, don't feel pressure by me to do a thing. We're going to stand together. We're going to have a verse of invitation. If the Lord has touched your heart, you be obedient to him. I say this often, but the invitation time is never for the preacher. He's already done what God told him to do. This invitation time is for you now. You do what God has put on your heart to do at this moment.